Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from November 27th, 1982, hosted by Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts, taped on November 24th, 1982, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last. It's my pleasure to be with you once again as we look at Mid-South Wrestling. And of course, joining me on this journey like he does each and every week, you know him from booking the territory, Mike Mills. And Mike, this is another fun episode of Mid-South Wrestling this week. Another fun episode. Really looking forward to it. Although I got to point something out at the very beginning, Brian. I don't know what's going on with Hank, but now he's not only to the left, but he's like in the second or third row to the left. And it's really hard to see him. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Hank. Anyone out there who knows what's the deal with Hank and why he was banished to the left in the second and third row, please get with me at Mike504Saints on Twitter. I'm genuinely curious about the whereabouts and, um, and why Hank was banished from ringside at this point. Maybe not, though. Maybe he just chose to sit there because he didn't want to be on camera. Who knows? But I had to point that out, Brian, as we get kicked off into this week's episode, where Boyd Pierce is back to looking a little bit conservative in his dress. With no, a- no, 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 not a little bit. This is the most conservative he's ever looked. He's wearing a brown suit, <laughs> a brown suit with a brown tie and a off-brown <laughs> shirt. He does not look like Boyd Pierce. He looks like he should be selling bowling shoes or something. He looks, it's not even conservative. It's just bland. He's got that brown suit, like a cream-colored shirt, man. I was just like, what happened, man? What's up, Boyd? Why do you look like this? I'm so used to the outlandishness. Oh, man. And again, last week, he he kind of jazzed it up a little with the pastel, yeah. with the dark, yay, you know, and now he's brown. Wow. Well, let's hear what Brown Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts have to say to open up the show. Let's hear the show open right now. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action. North American Heavyweight Champion Ted DiBiase versus Tiger Conway Jr. All the top stars are here. Mr. Olympia, Mr. Racing 2, Iron Mike Sharp, Bob Roop returns, Kamala, the Ugandan giant. The Japanese all-star team is here, and you'll see the action coming up right now. Our guest commentator of the week, a man who needs no introduction here on Mid-South Wrestling and all over the wrestling world, Cowboy Bill Watts. Bill? Well, thank you, Boyd. It's great to be back. And, you know, I was just reflecting as I was reading Sports Illustrated the other day that Dave Remington, uh, who has just been announced the University of Nebraska Center, who has won two Outland trophies back-to-back as the outstanding lineman in collegiate fo- football and is considered the number one draft choice in the pros, and they were talking about what a big, powerful man he is, 292 pounds. He bench presses 485 pounds, and Steve, Dr. Death Williams, and the other University of Oklahoma football players know what a powerful man this is. And yet, by comparison, here's a guy that's considered the king of the hill in football and the most outstanding prospect for pro football, bench presses 485. Let's go back shortly here and relive a man 240 pounds, one Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, as he bench presses three repetitions with 500 pounds and then does 550 pounds strict. And as you know, the junkyard dog can do 560 pounds. So just draw a comparison next time you see one of these big, tough pro football players and just think what league they are in when it's come comparison time to a man like JYD or Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. Let's watch Tony Atlas do 500 pounds. 
And from there, Mike, we get a recap of the segment from a couple weeks back where Tony Atlas bench presses with children all around him, Stagger Lee on one side, the Junkyard Dog on the other, Bill Watts with his microphone, and of course, Tony Atlas in a shirt with him having his face stepped on by a woman in a heel. Any notes about this recap? No, <laughs> it's the fact that you pointed. I honestly did not notice the shirt. I noticed he had a yellow shirt on. I didn't notice what was on it. I wasn't looking that hard back then until you pointed it out when we recorded this episode a couple weeks ago. But uh, no, just a recap of the whole bench pressing thing and JYD saying how he speaks for Stagger Lee and he's going to drive his Mercedes around the territory and take care of his man Stagger Lee. And he did not allow Watts to interview Stagger Lee at that moment. Also, I did notice in the clip you played a second ago, um, I don't know if somebody like riled up Bill Watts when it came to football players being tough uh, versus wrestlers, but uh, Watts was almost on one of his like tirades where he was, you, know, you want to see tough? This is tough. Wrestlers are tough. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Bill Watts wanted to make sure his, that make it known that his wrestlers are as tough or tougher than football players. Well, coming out of that recap, Bill Watts is still at the desk, but let's play a few short moments of this audio right here because he has to leave because someone else is coming. Let's hear this. Bill, I'm going to have to ask you to excuse yourself for just a few minutes. We have asked the North American Heavyweight Champion, Ted DiBiase, to commentate the championship bout coming up. Well, Boyd, we'll boy, I'm back. sure that he would have a different a view of his match than I would anyway. But reflecting back to Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, the people that watch Mid-South Wrestling and come to the arena see the greatest professional athletes in the world, and I'm proud of people like that. Thank you, Bill. And we'll be back right after this important message. And there's his very nice way of telling Bill Watts to leave because Ted DiBiase, the North American champion, is going to be there in the guest commentating spot, and there's no more room for Bill Watts. Yeah, we don't do three-man booths at this point in time in wrestling, I guess is uh, what they were trying to say. But Watts is getting out of here. This time, for the first time, he's getting out of here without going to have to catch a plane, as he has told us many times before. <laughs> he's just stepping aside so that Ted DiBiase can come do commentary on the very next match. And that's what we get. We get Ted DiBiase at the table. Let's hear a few minutes of him and Boyd. We'll have the North American Heavyweight Championship match between the title holder... Ted DiBiase and the challenge of Tiger Conway Jr. coming up right now. Ted is here at our desk. Boy, as you know, I've held the North American heavyweight title longer and more times than anybody in the history of the title. And I'll sit here and tell you this, that I have done more for the North American heavyweight title than any previous holder. I have defended this title all over the United States, all over the North American continent. Recently, I defended the title in Houston, Texas, against one Tiger Conway Jr., who I might add is a very good friend of the Junkyard Dogs. And as you'll see by the videotape replay, I handled myself as a true champion, and everybody will have to agree that I am definitely on top in wrestling. You're not only top in wrestling, you've taken a North American heavyweight champion to be recognized, and you are recognized, Ted, because in a recent publication from New York, a new magazine that goes all over the world, you are the winner of one category in that poll, but the category is the most hated man in professional wrestling. If you're out to prove people not to like you because of the tactics you use in the ring, you're really doing a good job of it. Right now, let's watch a title match between Ted and Tiger Conway Jr. from Houston, Texas. There was something so great about Boyd giving it to the heels, but not like in a crazy fashion, but just like, well, Ted, if you really want people to hate you, you're doing a great job because you've been voted the most hated and DiBiase doesn't look pleased by it, but Boyd doesn't even blink. Well, Ted, you know, this is what happens when you act like this. You know, this is, I mean, it's great stuff. We've seen him do it with the Bob Roop and Ernie Ladd way back. 
I love when it's a heel-eyed commentary, and Boyd just, he's Boyd Pierce. He does not back down from anyone. Not even back down. He just tells it exactly how it is. Yeah, and I don't think he's usually even being confrontational. I think he's kind of just being matter-of-fact about what he's saying. You know, he's like, well, Ted, you know, if you you want really people to hate you, I mean, you're doing a great job of it. I mean, it's just kind of matter-of-fact. He's not saying it like saying, hey, you want to fight me type way of doing it. He's just saying, you know, you're a prick. And I'm just saying, you know, you're you're definitely a prick. It's The matter-of-factness of it is what makes it work. Also, I got to say something about DiBiase sitting at this table. The brown leather jacket. The beard that is now, he just pure, just, just a jackass, just somebody. I'm like, dude, I hate you. You even look, you just, you look like you're just slime of the earth after everything you've done. Not only what you've done, but how you look. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that, that brown leather jacket with, with the beard that he's got going now? Well, remember he wore that brown leather jacket, I believe. Way back, maybe early 82, late 81. Yeah, he wore that, and we talked about it here on the show. Yeah. Uh, at the time, he was a baby face, but now with the facial hair and everything, he's just totally a heel, and he's so good. He went from being a, yeah. a really pushed, great in the ring, kind of bland baby face to being a dynamic heel. And let me say, I remember I was talking about the jacket. It probably was episode two or three of this show, but I remember talking about, you know, how he looked at that time. But right now, he just. The ma- and it's 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 everything. It's the whole presentation of it. It's the mannerisms too, as you see there. He kind of the way he rolls his eyes and the way he moves his head, and and it's just that look of I'm better than you. What do you mean you hate me? What do you mean, Boyd? What are you talking about here? And he's just the way he shrugs his shoulders, and he's just sitting there. And again, we, we talked about the beard, and it's just the whole presentation of it all. He's just he's such a jackass, man. You just want to slap him. Well, from there, we get a match from Houston, Texas. Ted DiBiase versus Tiger Conway Jr. This is from October 1st, 1982. DiBiase's first appearance in Houston as the North American champion. The crowd is on fire. It's a really loud crowd. And DiBiase overdubs the commentary. Doesn't sound like he's here at the table. It sounds like he did it in the studio because you don't hear Boyd. It's just DiBiase as a heel commentating over this rather long match from Mid-South Wrestling Television. And, of course, he wins in the end with the loaded glove pinning Tiger Conway Jr. Any thoughts or notes about this match from Houston, Mike? I felt, I mean, I felt like it was all right for them to show this. Um, what, what I will say is I feel like because we're in between, we're like in an in-between land with the Thanksgiving show that's happening with the Superdome for Mid-South, they, didn't, they couldn't air too much, I guess you know, quote unquote current stuff from whatever happens at Irish McNeil because you're you're you the way they're they're bicycle bicycling the tape and whatnot. So you got the you got the Superdome show coming up and or or happening as of this, you know, I think it was I can't remember the exact date in November at that point. But so I feel like they were just, you know, passing a little time with this. But it was still it was a pretty good match. I'm just not a fan of the the voiceover commentary with just Ted. Uh, I, you know what I mean? It's I don't know. What did you think about that part? That that wasn't my yeah, he needed someone to bounce off. It went too long for it to be just him by himself. I thought he needed someone yeah. to bounce off. Yeah, because as to the point you made, it was a good match. Tiger Conway Jr. looked really good in this, but they went so long, and it's just Ted giving commentary by himself. And yeah, after a while, you're like, man, this is a long match for that. Well, coming out of that, Mike, we go back to the desk. Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts about to shoot us to an interview that Reese Bowden conducted concerning Kamala. Let's hear this right now. Well, Boyd Pierce, like a bad penny that always turns up the supreme opportunist 
Skandar Akbar has come back on the scene, spending a lot of money. That's going to create a lot of problems for a lot of people. Let's listen to an interview pre-taped with Reeser Bowden. General Skandor Akbar is certainly a man that needs no introduction in the Mid-South area, but it might be pointed out uh, that you have been absent for quite a while now since the one-man gang and Killer Khan. Uh, I'm sure that folks are wondering why you're back and uh, who you brought with you. Of course, Mid-South always seems to magnify all of the general's transactions and the way I conduct myself. Well, here's one that you can really blow out of proportion. I have just leased the services of Kamala the Ugandan giant for an astronomical amount of money. And you know, the crowning insult of all of this as this man was left completely out of the showpiece of the wrestling world, the Superdome on Thanksgiving. But from this day on, this man will be in every extravaganza spectacular that Mid-South has to offer or this nation or this world. And of course, you know, I've been sitting back observing these past few weeks, and you know, it's quite obvious who Staggerly is. We all know who it is. And you know, the Ugandan giant Kamala is the only man, I repeat, the only man ever to defeat the junkyard dog with no outside interference whatsoever. He's proved that he's unbeatable. And I've sat back all these weeks, and I'm picking the biggest plum of them all. Ugandan warrior Kamala. From here on out, it's going to lead to Kamala and the general. And when you get there, it won't be any picnic. Well, you know, from past experience, when General Skandor Akbar manages a man, uh, things do happen. So watch and see what happens in future weeks right here. Well, Bill, watch. It looks like there is more trouble coming up here in the Mid-South area. Right now, we have the match in the ring. Let's go for the introduction. Here's Reeser Bowden. Well, there it is, a strong promo from Skandar Akbar. We mentioned a few weeks back he wasn't around ever since the one-man gang and Killer Khan weren't on TV. We haven't seen Akbar since. I think the last person he managed was one week of Vladik Smirnov after the Mongolian Stomper left Mid-South Wrestling unexpectedly. Here he is, he's back, and now he's in line with Kamala. Yeah, this is, you know, I mean, you and I both knew it was coming, but uh, he's aligned with Kamala now, and he's, you know, now he's bought his services, and what does all this mean? Where is this going to go? I just, good stuff right there from Akbar. Reeser with a small minor smirk at the end. I don't know if you caught that. I just thought I'd point that out since we like to talk about what Reeser does during these interviews. But, yeah, um, good to see Kamala now is going to be with Akbar and uh, a partnership for many years to come. And I guess we'll go from there, but this will be good. Well, Bill Watts has some thoughts about all this, and we get that during our next match. Kamala versus El Silencio with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Let's hear the audio from Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, Skandar Akbar has always run his organizations with an iron hand, calling himself the general. I don't think Kamala knows Skandar Akbar from anybody else. I don't think he even cares. He just wants to attack and destroy. Certainly, Akbar has some devious plans for the man, but I don't think Kamala is going to be somebody in control like he did the one-man gang and Killer Khan and people like that. I don't even know how he communicates with him. He's going to have to motivate him and entice him to do his will by other methods. I think the man is simply a illiterate savage, so to speak, and that things that have material value to Akbar wouldn't have the same relationship to Kamala. But whatever, the warrior certainly is an awesome, gigantic, 
powerful individual. And it didn't take long. He beat El Silencio. What's he's taking? He looks like he's going after El Silencio's mask. The man, Kamala, is going after El Silencio's mask. Ricky Ferrar is telling his man, Friday, Kamala has taken his mask. It's almost like he scalped his opponent or he took a coup. Boyd Pierce, and he's handing it to Akbar. And Akbar is coming over here. We'll get maybe get to the bottom of this. Kamala's going after Kamala's going after Akbar. He wants that mask back. Something's going on. This man is elated at what he's got. It's a trophy. We're going to collect those masks just like these Indians used to collect scalps in this area. And, you know, there's a certain somebody, Stagger Lee, that stinks in the Mid-South. He's got a mask. Mr. Olympia's got a mask. And guess what? Mr. Wrestling number two's got a mask. And we're going to get each and every one of them. From now on, all negotiations for this man will be made through the general. Be warned. Ladies and gentlemen, Skando Akbar is not invited to the table by me as your host. So we'll go back and we'll come back with exciting action after this word from Mid-South Wrestling. Well, first of all, I love that at the end there from Boyd. Ladies and gentlemen, he was not invited here by me, so we're just going to move on with the show. (laughs) But good stuff. Yeah, it's good. Well, I guess it works both ways. You know, like if you're a wrestler at the commentary table, you're – you're only allowed to commentate, and you if you get involved, it's a $2,500 fine, if I recall correctly, um, and possibly more. I don't know. So, um, But they, they never have any rules about, you know, well, if you are not invited and you come up to the commentary table, what's the rule there? Well, for, for Boyd right there, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on from this because he has not been invited here. So uh, we'll, go, we'll move forward, and, um, yeah, let's do that. I, as far as the interview – I kind of like what Akbar uh, said right there. You know, Kamala's going to go mask hunting, and he names all the masked men, not just some, which is important. Uh, he even, you know, he names Olympia, Wrestling 2, and whatnot. So I, I like the fact that he he names pretty much all the masked men. Not all of them, but close. Good stuff right there. And um, they went mask hunting during the match, too. Uh, Brian, did you notice who that was when Kamala ripped off El Silencio's mask? I'm not positive, but, you know, it looked like Tom Ernesto Jr. to me. Who Who was it? That's who I thought it was, too, Tom Ernesto Jr. Who hasn't been around in forever. I mean, we haven't seen Tom Ernesto Jr. since, what, the spring or the winter of 82? It's been many, many months, many months, at least six, if not more. Uh, I mean, I'd probably even go further back than that. You're right. Maybe maybe nine to ten months ago was the last time we saw him. Don't remember exactly, but I think that's who that was when he unmasked him. You're unmasking a lot of people that we're trying to figure out. We had the fake Stagger Lee. We're like, oh, that's Joe Gaines. This definitely looks like Tom Ernesto Jr., though. And it almost looked like he was even wearing Assassin's gear. You know, other than the mask, which was a different mask, the full black bodysuit, he was dressed like one of the Assassins. And look at the boots, too. I think the boots were like yellow and black. So I think you're on a side. I'm pretty sure that's Tom Ernesto Jr. with just a, a different mask. You know, obviously not the, the assassin mask, but it definitely looks like him when they unmask him. Well, from there, Mike, we move on. Oh, we should probably give the finish. Kamala pins El Silencio with two splashes and then turns him over to pin him. Then we get Mr. Olympia and Iron Mike Sharp versus Rick and John Davidson with, I don't know who this referee is. It's the guy who looks like a bootleg. Alfred Neely, but it isn't Alfred Neely. Do you know who this is? I do not know who this is. I thought it was Alfred Neely. You're saying it's not. It look. Oh, you're right. It's not him. 
He looks very similar to him, though. You can tell by the walk yeah. that it's not Alfred Neely. And they never say who it is. I just assumed the first time I watched it that it was. But no. Did Alfred Neely have a brother? God, this guy looks like him a lot. And Alfred Neely wasn't on the last TV taping. This is now two TV tapings without Alfred Neely, who's been the main referee. So I don't know. We've got to find out what's been going on here. On com- from, the, you, from, the, from the wide shot, Brian, you, uh, that's why I didn't realize it at first. It looks just like Alfred Neely, and I mean, you really can't tell until they get a little closer to him. I mean, he looks identical to him. It's just the hair is a little different, and when you get a close-up, you see the face is a little different, and his body movements are a little different, but he looks like a doppelganger for Alfred Neely. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, during this match, Bill Watts has a few things on commentary. He talks about Mitchell Jeter, who is a blind fan who comes to all Mid-South Wrestling shows, as well as two fans in attendance with muscular dystrophy who have met all the Mid-South wrestlers and Boyd Pierce before the show. And also on commentary, he talks about what we just saw, that last match with Kamala and Skandar Akbar's involvement now with the Ugandan Warrior. Let's hear this. It'll be fast-paced action, Boyd, but I'm still reflecting on what we just saw here a moment ago with Skandar Akbar coming on the scene, and all of a sudden, Kamala against a masked opponent, and then he beat him and unmasked him. He scalped him, so to speak, or he cooed collected a coup or a trophy and he seemed very very caught up with the trophy when Akbar came over was going to talk about the mass situation to us Kamala came after him and on a direct path for him until Akbar threw the mask back to his man Friday who gave it to Kamala Kamala seemingly very happy and very gleeful left with the mask I think that's all on purpose and has a tremendous intent Akbar said Mr. Wrestling 2 Mr. Olympia but we all know Stagger Lee is the man, and it smells a little bit. I, I would wonder if Ted DiBiase, in his quest for supremacy of Mid-South, didn't have something to do with the negotiations of Akbar coming back on the scene with Kamala, this awesome, awesome Ugandan. And especially now, it seems like the mask has become the intent True, the Ugandan warrior was not on the big Superdome Thanksgiving in New Orleans. But I think there's a little more than meets the eye. General Akbar, who is well known as an opportunist, sees a way of milking and bilking something. And certainly Kamala wouldn't know the value of a dollar. Still, Akbar has not revealed who actually owns and controls Kamala. But they've struck some evil bargain. And apparently Kamala is very happy. You know, DiBiase was saying he'd buy some new beads, a new spear, or a half a cow to eat whatever he wanted to get the mask off of Stagger Lee. And apparently they found that Kamala, a simple man, when he beats the opponent, he wants a memento. And the mask seems to be the memento. Now you see Big Iron Mike Sharp, the powerful Canadian team with Mr. Olympia. They take on Rick and John Davidson. Next week, this same team, Olympia and Mike Sharp, will be wrestling Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Bill Watts' thoughts on Kamala being with Skandar Akbar, how Ted DiBiase could potentially be involved, and how everyone's gunning for the big guy, Stagger Lee. Also want to make mention that Mr. Olympia, who's so good and so over, he's maybe the most over babyface next to JYD right now. He throws a few drop kicks that clearly miss during this match makes you wonder if Watts said something to him in the back I'd love to know that like 
hey, when you were at a TV taping, did you ever did Watts ever get hot at you about anything? You know, there was an episode you start bringing up. There was an episode in late November of 82 and uh, you missed a couple of drop kicks cleanly. Uh, did Watts say anything? Because, I mean, he's out there on commentary. He's watching this whole thing. So I and look, we you've heard the stories, you know, Watts would tell his guys stuff about that when it when they weren't making contact and it wasn't looking good. I've heard the stories, you know, Watts, Watts didn't stand for stuff like that. So it makes you wonder um, if he did. Hey, real quick, Brian, you know, you talk, they're talking about, you know, Kamala here and Akbar. all of a sudden, you know, this, this partnership and Akbar buying Kamala's services and whatnot. I, I remember thinking, man, um, you know, because I mean, we remember we got this thing going on with wrestling too now where somebody's stalking him. Like, the very first thing I thought of at back then was it's gotta be, it's gotta be Akbar. I mean, there's no question, right? Who else can it be? You know, not at Akbar's back. Oh man, it's got to be Akbar. But they haven't said anything about it at this point. So, you know, I just want to say that I'm not saying it is Akbar or it's not Akbar who's doing the stalking. I'm just saying that was the first thing that I thought back then. Olympia and Mike Sharp win. Olympia hits one of the Davidson brothers with a body press off the second rope for the victory. And from there, we get our next match: Mister Wrestling Two versus Marty Lundy with Rick Ferreira as the referee. During this match, Bill Watts talks about a recent dinner he had in Houston with the station manager for Channel 39, as well as Paul Bosch, Peter Burkholz, and everyone's respective wives. So just some little detail there about the relationship between Bill Watts and the Houston office, which he now owns a piece of, where it is at this period of time. And it's really, things are really picking up quickly in terms of the relationship between Mid-South and Houston wrestling. Yeah, he and he. I mean, look, we've seen Paul Bosch on on the show recently as well. It it makes sense. Again, we talked about it. I don't want to. I want to repeat myself. We talked about why the partnership was probably important. With you know, you had overlapping TV as well in areas of the territory. So it, it makes a lot of sense. They've got this partnership, and that they continue to to push each other. I guess is the words I'm looking for when it comes to their TV and mention things. And that's just Watts kind of throwing names out there, letting them know he's rubbing elbows with the folks that matter. <laughs> if we're going to be real here, but yeah, I mean the partnership obviously and everything we've talked about, it makes sense. Mr. Wrestling two wins with the million dollar knee lift. I didn't have any other notes about this match. Mike, do you have anything? No, that was it. Exactly what I had. He hits him with the knee lift um, and pins Marty Lundy. Our next match is a bit of a surprise. Bob Roop is back against Mike Bond with the mystery man as the referee once again. And Bill Watts has some thoughts about Roop being back. Let's hear this right now on commentary, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Well, I hear from every report that he's certainly enjoying his time and his freedom. This is one thing about being in professional wrestling. You're an independent contractor. You answer to no one but yourself, so you can come and go as you please. And I understand he's going to be your guest commentator next week. And Bob, as well as being an adept wrestler, is an adept speaker. And uh, I enjoy his commentary. His views are a little different than mine, but I, I think it has a lot of depth and adds to it. He has the background and the qualifications. He will be our guest next week. The girl wrestlers will be on the card, too. Lady wrestlers. Everybody should be excited about that. Also, Chavo Guerrero from Houston against Bobby Jaggers. And next week, Stagger Lee. You know, reflecting back a moment, Akbar saying that his man's going to collect masks like the Indians used to collect scalps, so to speak, and wrestling too. Wrestling too is not near as big as Stagger Lee or Tony Atlas, but I would wonder what would happen if Kamala should happen to take, try to take, or attempt to take the mask off of wrestling too. He gets violent. 
in situations like that and has been known to completely obliterate people. I just wonder if Wrestling 2 would be able to do it to such an awesome, powerful, formidable opponent. But Skandar Akbar is on a collision course with every masked man in this area aiming at Stagger Lee, and I'm sure the pot has been enriched by one Ted DiBiase. You see DiBiase, he's loving the experience and exposure he's getting as he defeated Tiger Conway Jr. in Houston, and we saw that earlier. Bob Roop returning against Mike Bond, who's also returning. We haven't seen Mike Bond in months on TV either. He was here earlier in the year as an undercard guy. Any thoughts on the return of Bob Roop? I know I'm I'm trying to remember the timeline, but I know Mike Bond bounced around from here, and then he did some stuff in world class as well, enhancement talent wise. As far as my thoughts on Bob Roop, when when Cowboy Bill Watts broke the news that Roop is going to be a guest commentator next week, I my heart just dropped. And then what got me was I, I, there's no way he said this with a straight face. As nice as a guy is. You know, some of us feel Bob Roop is these days, and they, he's never done me anything. He seems like he's a nice guy, although I've heard the stories. I, when Watts said, you know, I don't agree with his commentary, but, you know, he he, he does a good job. Uh, and I'm like, uh, did you say that with a straight face, Bob uh, or Bill? I just got to wonder because Bob Roop on commentary, he's just – it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of notes I'm going to have next week with Roop on commentary again. But no other thoughts. Um Bob Roop's back and he's wrestling. I, I don't, I don't know about you, Brian. I don't know my first time around Mid South. I, I didn't even recall Bob Roop coming back at this point. But you know, you, you things get skewed. Your your timeline of things when you're young are different than when you get older. But Bob Roop is back. He's wrestling. And next week we have him on commentary. I can't wait. Yippee! Well, that sounded genuine. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think he really works that much for Mid South. I think he does the Superdome show and his TV taping, and I don't know. Match-wise, how many other matches he actually has, I have to look into that. But there's another interesting thing that Bill Watts says on commentary here, Mike. He says that the promoter from Hope, Arkansas, is in the building, and he promised that when the JYD returns, he's going to give him one of the biggest watermelons ever. Well, that was an interesting comment. <laughs> commentary. Bob Roop oh. wins with, I guess it was a brain buster. It wasn't smooth, but it was a brain buster, right? It was a brain buster, uh, not the prettiest one you'll ever see, but it definitely was a brain buster because because like, it was like he almost he didn't have him cradled on the way down, but right, he held right to yeah. him for a long time, and it it almost looked like he doesn't have him cradled, but it actually almost looks like he's got him cradled all the way down, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't the smoothest brain buster you'll you'll ever see, that's for sure. Then we get our final match of the evening: Hiro Matsuda and Yoshiyatsu. Versus Tim Horner and King Cobra. Good undercard tag team from last week. Back in the ring again. Rick Ferreira as the referee. There's no finish here. We go to a time limit draw. TV time runs out. During the match, Bill Watts says, and he said something similar last week, Mike, that one-third of the people in New Orleans are watching Mid-South Wrestling, and that's in a five-channel market. So Mid-South Wrestling is really on fire in New Orleans at this period of time. I've I've said it to you before when when he first started bringing up Channel Twenty Six and and talking about it I I mean I I honestly do not know anything else off the top of my head that was on Channel Twenty Six at this time in New Orleans other than Mid South Wrestling I I don't recall I feel like you know as a kid because I mean I was very young then if it came to cartoons and stuff I'm I'm probably watching that on CBS 
you know, NBC, ABC type channels. And I don't remember anything else coming on Channel 26 at this point besides Mid-South. Maybe they had old movies on, too. So I'm not saying he's fully being truthful when he says one third of everyone in New Orleans is tuned into Mid-South. But he might be pretty damn close because I don't know of anything else that was really on Channel 26 at that point. The only other thing I can think of that they would be watching at 5 o'clock on Channel 26 in New Orleans is maybe the news on one of the major stations. But, I mean, it seems plausible that you'd have a very, very large population of people watching Channel 26. And, again, I don't, I just don't remember what else was on 26 during this time period. Someone like Ricardo Coleman, who's a little older, I bet you he could tell you. But um, so, Ricardo, hit me up on Twitter. I'm genuinely curious about that. You know, what else What else was on 26? And maybe I'm just not remembering it because I was so young. Did you have any other thoughts or notes about this match or the wrap up of the show? No, I mean, the match itself is just, I mean, watch just reminds us that the lady wrestlers are coming next week, as he said. And he, he thanks the staff that helped get the show out weekly. Uh, this was the we haven't seen this, I feel like, in a few weeks, but this was the remaining TV time match where it was just okay. We're gonna we're gonna have this out there until we till time expires. So no no other thoughts. I mean Horner looked good, King Cobra looked good. Uh, you know n- not a bad little match for for what you have with the remaining TV time left. Well, this episode was taped on the twenty fourth and it aired on the twenty seventh. And in between that period of time, on the twenty fifth on Thanksgiving, was a Mid South Wrestling Spectacular at the Superdome. This will play into next week's show, so let's give the results right here. Tim Horner defeated Mike Bond. Mike Sharp beat Marty Lundy. Princess Victoria over Leilani Kai. Bob Roop beat King Cobra. In a tag team match, Mil Moscaris and Chavo Guerrero defeated Tully Blanchard and Gino Hernandez. Mr. Wrestling 2 defeated Mr. Olympia. I need to find out more about that match. Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne defeated Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, the Freebirds. Tony Atlas beat Jim Duggan via countout. And in the main event, Stagger Lee defeated Ted DiBiase to win the Mid-South Wrestling North American Championship. A big Superdome show, Mike. Uh, it's a really, really big Superdome show. I mean, uh, not a lot of you know traditional Mid South names on that. Interesting stuff when you talk about Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts. There, I believe you know that's this is the time period where they're just getting into world class to to yeah. do some damage there, and eventually the big turn in 1982. Uh, but at that point, I want to say Hayes had showed up in world class by then, and I in in Gordy and Roberts came you know the after and everyone you know just so you remember he came in as a babyface so interesting stuff there just on the timeline when you're talking about what's going on in other places and yes you know Ted DiBiase lost the North American title to Stagger Lee and I believe when I looked it up Brian it was a reported like fifteen thousand people in attendance in the dome and again you got to remember this is 1982 that's a Pretty damn big crowd for, uh, and again, I know it's not close to the record crowd that they had in the Dome for a Superdome extravaganza, but, you know, think about it, man. You They rented out the Superdome for a wrestling event in 1982. That's pretty big news, in my opinion. I just thought I'd throw that out there. And again, one of the big differences, even though the Superdome show is plugged on the show throughout the Mid-South Territory, the vast majority, if not almost every single person in that building was from New Orleans. It wasn't like you had a lot of people driving down from Oklahoma or coming in from around the country for a Superdome show. So when you draw 15,000 in the Superdome for this Thanksgiving show, on Thanksgiving, 
More than likely, that's 15,000 from New Orleans alone. Yeah, you you make a good point. You're not getting many people traveling from more than an hour away at best. I mean, you may have had some people coming in from like the, you know, the Homa, Thibodeau area, uh, even Baton Rouge, maybe even like Gulfport, Mississippi, which is, you know, not that far of a drive, less than an hour. But you're not getting people coming in from far. This is not like, you know, promoting WrestleMania where you got people coming from around the world or country to come in for the Superdome. So when you talk about 15,000 people back then in the Superdome. That's actually a hell of a draw for for that time period. I mean, and put, and put it into perspective. I believe it was just you know back in what was it eighty six the Crockett Cup. So like just four years later, they promoted that freaking thing nationally, and they couldn't even draw fifteen thousand for the Crockett Cup just four years later. So think about you know if you put it in perspective, how many people were in the Superdome at this point, you know, it's not the record that you saw for the Superdome for mid South, but still has a lot of people. And again, coming from a very small area, just that, you know, nowhere near any further than an hour away. Well, Mike, with that, we wrap up another episode of the mid South wrestling television review podcast. Want to remind everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at great Brian last go follow the Arcadian Vanguard podcast network on Twitter at super podcasts. And you can stay in touch with the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. I also want to make brief mention here that if you want to access the RSS feed for this show, all you have to do is visit MidSouthPod. Dot com and you get access to the RSS feed right there. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Come give me a follow at Mike504Saints on Twitter. I post clips, various clips of the shows that we discuss here. I think you'll enjoy it. Also, give Booking the Territory a try. Just uh, search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Wherever you're getting this podcast, you can get Booking the Territory there as well. Or just search tinyurl.com slash bttpod. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast because the jokes are not politically correct, but we have a great time as we talk NWA Saturday night from the 80s right now, along with Smoky Mountain Wrestling in our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps. It's a fun time all the way around. Also, real quick, thank you for all of the recent five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Brian and I greatly appreciate it, and please keep them coming. it really does help out the show. Brian, that's all I got. I would say I'm looking forward to next week, and I actually am, but I'm kind of not because our friend, your friend and mine, Bob Roop, is back on commentary. Well, we'll see how that turns out. But until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!